Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Greetings from the Hill Country of Central Texas. This is Revolution of Military Affairs, and I'm your host, Amos Fox. Welcome to Revolution of Military Affairs. Uh, you know, this podcast, uh, is the listeners are accustomed to, is uh, wide-ranging despite its focus on war and warfare. On the show, we, th- we talk a lot about theoretical implications of ideas and theoretical underpinning- underpinnings of military thought. So we've talked a lot about maneuver warfare, systems thinking, and systems theory, centers of gravity, stuff like that throughout the course of the uh, the show today. We've also uh, talked a lot about how to generate change in organizations and how to generate new ways to operate based off those changes uh, within organizations. Uh, we had, you know, John Noggle and Dave Petraeus on recently, for instance, to discuss how the Army and the Marine Corps had to force in the idea of uh, counterinsurgency to address the insurgencies that were going on both in Iraq and Afghanistan. But we've also talked a lot about how emerging, emerging technology can be applied and is applied on modern future battlefields. From the academic side, for instance, we had Paul Lushenko and Kerry Chavez uh, talk with us a bit about uh, artificial intelligence and specifically how that related to, uh, for one, trust in AI, but also how that was going to be used with uh, drones uh, both today and in the future. On the military analyst side, we talked recently also with Franz Stefangotti and Michael Kaufman, and they led us through some of the ways in which AI is being used on uh, the battlefield in Ukraine. Today, we're going to go in a slightly different direction, and I think it's going to be something unique and uh, very interesting. We're going to examine uh, artif- artificial intelligence from the industry side of the equation, but also examine how one company is helping lead the AI revolution today. To that end, we're fortunate to have Mr. Mike Betzer, the CEO of Hypergiant, to talk with us this afternoon. Hypergiant is a company at the cutting edge of applied AI. I don't want to mischaracterize anything here, Mike, so I'm going to uh, leave the intro to the company <laughs> to you. But real quick, just thank you for joining us today. You're welcome. I'm happy to be here and happy to talk to you in more detail about what we do and, and the success that we are having and uh, the growth of the organization. So 
excited. With that, I think it's also real quick, I want to point out that uh, this is the first in a four-part series or mini-series within this series, uh, season two here, uh, that we're going to be talking with Hypergiant. So we have four four episodes uh, coming up with Hypergiant, and uh, we'll talk a bit more about that here in a little bit. Uh, but before we get started here, uh, Mike, I just want to ask you, um, so I'm going to go through a couple of questions for you real quick to just get the conversation going. So I think the first one is, uh, there's tons of misconceptions out there, and we'll come back to that at the end too. But what is artificial intelligence? And then after that, I'll ask you to explain, because I think it's important to know that before we know what Hypergiant is. After that, I'll ask you to come back yeah. and explain what uh, Hypergiant is. So artificial intelligence. Yeah, the, you know, there's all kinds of answers to that about what is artificial intelligence. But the way we think of artificial intelligence and the way we leverage artificial intelligence is all around this amazing amount of data that is now available for decisioning. And a human cannot process that data in a timely fashion to shorten the kill chain. So it is a problem. It is a problem that we have so many sensors, so many systems, so much data, so much opportunity to be incredibly intelligent about what to do, but we only have 20 seconds, two minutes to process that data and leverage all of that from all these different systems to make a decision. So the biggest risk of AI flopping is if we don't figure out how to take that data and turn it into action, you know, courses of action that shorten the kill chain. I mean, that's all that we're talking about. And we have amazing people that are doing outstanding work that are scouring multiple databases to figure out what to do. And if we would listen better and leverage software correctly, we could shorten that kill chain and we can put all that power into the courses of action so that we can make all the right decisions at all the right minutes and all the right seconds to improve the safety of mankind. Data, I think, is an important part of this um, discussion today when we think about the future of war and warfare. We've talked a lot about that, and we've also talked a lot about the importance of time on this podcast. So, um, you know, we had uh, Andrew Carr uh, on several episodes ago talking about the importance of time in war and warfare. And this isn't something that's new, right? This importance of time and data and decision making are not new things. Um, this has existed all throughout history, and arguably this is one of the things that made Napoleon, you know, since that movie's still, I just saw that it's available uh, for download on Apple TV now. So, um, you know, uh, Napoleon's quite quite popular right now, but, you know, this is one of the things that made Napoleon so successful was his ability to process information quickly um, because he had studied so much uh, military history to that point in time and then quickly make decisions. And so, again, this isn't a discussion on, uh, I don't think you guys are working on Napoleonic warfare. So if you would, please tell me what it is Hypergiant is and what it is you guys do. The Hypergiant, we are a software company. And what we do is we deliver courses of action to, you know, we have multiple customers, but I'm going to just talk about the Air Force today. Um, and I'll focus there, but we, we're live in the Air Force and Army and Space Force in different places. But I will just focus on one use case, which is the Air Force. So we enable the Air Force, the people that have to make a decision, we enable them to digest and ingest the data that they have to, they, they have to pull in so that they can uh, take the right course of action. 
And we do that in seconds. So if you, you know, if you, if you want to use an old term, you use the cop, you know, you know, mm -hmm. common operating platform, you know, that's what everybody calls it. There's a lot of cops. There's always been a lot of cops. There will always be a lot yeah. of platforms out there that people are looking at. The, the, the problem is everybody who comes to the military with another piece of software, they all come with their own cop. So yeah. what is that person supposed to do that is sitting there trying to tell his or her officer you, what action to take and they have seconds to go through and scour all those different pieces. And as more software comes out, there is more and more pieces of visualization, but they're pieces and they don't fuse it all together. So what we do, we are a thin layer that sits on top of all of this data. We fuse all that data together and we deliver it in a way so that you don't have to look at anything else. You can still have it. You can have it there if you want to go deeper. But for your use case, what you're trying to protect at this moment or the decision you're trying to make, we fuse the public, the private, the, the secret data all together so that that person is looking at everything so they don't have to check this and then go check this and make sure that the longitude and latitude is right over here and then go check this to make sure the weather is right and do we have a clear sky? Or, you know, they don't have to go anywhere else. So we sit with the the operators and understand what are they trying to do and then what are the 20 or 40 or 60 pieces of data that they look at and we fuse that together so that they can see in a very beautiful graphical way exactly what they should be doing so uh, anyway that's a very long answer for what we do but you know we enable the air force in this case we enable the air force to move at the speed of data with a beautiful graphical way of looking at all the data they have to look at. During uh, during that, you mentioned, and this is just purely from an educational standpoint. You said digest and ingest information, and you you, you stopped and made that differentiation. Is that was that intentional, or was that just uh, no? It's a no. That that's a great catch, and you know, completely. Uh, yeah. So you, first, you have to you have to ingest all the data. You know, mm -hmm. so that is just literally. We connect to 142 different unique systems of data. So that's a lot of data, right? So we are pulling down and putting in the cloud a tremendous amount of data. So that is just the ingest of the data. So first you have to get the data so that it's all readable and usable. And then you have to be able to digest that data, which is turn it into action. And that okay. is, so we take all of that data, ingest it, and then show it in a way that says, Look, based on this thing that is not identified itself, that is now a we would we would call this a threat vehicle, a threat moving uh, an enemy, you know, a red a red plane or whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. We have 18 minutes before that is in critical airspace. So your courses of action are these three, and here are your probability of success, and here is your and here is your the damage that will be caused or the potential the casualties that will be caused if you do A, B, or C. So we put all of that into one screen so that they can make a decision off that one screen and they don't have to go somewhere else to figure all that out. And it's okay. been a – it has taken us four years with the Air Force to build this out, and it's all being built out for C, JAD, C2. So the way the Air Force has done it and the way we have done it for the Air Force is to build this in a way that – it doesn't matter if it's Air Force. It doesn't matter if it's Army. It doesn't matter if it's Navy. Um, we can ingest that data. They can then use that data 
for wherever they want to use it and for whatever reason they want to use it. A couple of questions off of that then. So it sounds like they're, and I don't, I don't, when I say this, it doesn't, it, I'm not intending it in a derogatory way, but it sounds like the outputs uh, present the user then uh, a binary set of choices, right? You know, you have four here, like you said, here are the, here's the cost, here's what we think it'll do. Um, do you see any, because I think some of the people, there's, a, I'm sure you've run into this, there's a lot of folks that don't necessarily believe the hype associated with AI or don't think that AI can work through all these things in an effective way. Do you see, um, what are some of the challenges you've seen with trust in AI, especially as you've iterated this over the four years with, with the Air Force, associated with those, you know, hey, here's four, four decisions. Um, and how much of that do you think, because I've seen some commanders, and I know I'm rambling on this question, sorry, but <laughs> I've worked for some people that are like, hey, I hear all that analysis and all those things that you guys have said, or, you know, the, the assessments program has said this, and it recommends that. Uh, and the commander's like, no, I'm going to go with my stomach. I trust my 30 years of experience over something this computer that's just started doing this uh, has generated. So thoughts thoughts on that? Trust in AI, how do you see that um, evolving over time? Yeah, it's and it's trust is all over the map based on the time that they've been using the software that they're using. Because we, we pull in different pieces of data that literally just tell us longitude and latitude of is that thing really at that place? Hmm. Um, and if you pull in, th and we pull in three different sectors of data that do just that and talk just about location, and they're not the same. They don't read the same. <laughs> so clearly yeah. you can't trust the data. So what we do is we then take the three sectors of data, put it together, and say now when you look at the data, we have two of them that say this within you know 20 meters, and this one is, is off by 100 meters um, so, you know, we believe it is here and our probability of that being exactly right is 87%. Hmm. So we will put a probability on that as well. Now, sometimes it's really simple to get it right. Um, and there are, so for the naysayers of AI, I mean, it sounds maybe harsh, but it's like, please say it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, it, it, there, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's, it's, um, we are going to, the only way we can prevent war is to obviously make sure that our enemies understand how insanely capable we are. And our enemies are going to be leveraging every single bit of data to make the best guess they possibly can. And our enemies are spending billions of dollars to do this. So if we want to put our head in the sand and think that the old way of doing war is the way that war will always be, we're crazy. It's just, it's just crazy. Now, will there always be a human with a gun somewhere in that equation? Of course, probably always will be, unfortunately. But making sure that you have that human at the right place at the right time is the difference between winning and losing. And the data will tell us where that human should be. And this is satellite data. This is camera data. This is this is public data. This is private data. This is this isn't just military data. This is putting everything together that you can put together uh, to make the right decision. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. Plus. 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Part of this uh, that keeps popping up in my mind when you're talking about this and the data and how it's going to help drive decision making. How does the data improve itself? Is there a learning element to uh, refining the the data as it comes in and artificial intelligence synthesizing this and that I think that digestion portion instead of just, you know, being a garbage in garbage out thing? How is it how is it uh, how is it working through that learning and making sure that the information that it's getting is is true and accurate? Yeah, and you know, and the, the the words I use are words you hear a thousand times, which are is human in the loop. So mm-hmm. we, I, I, I am not a fan of driverless cars without a person sitting behind the wheel. We're just not quite there yet. Well, I love the idea around. of it. Be careful yeah. when you're walking around downtown Austin. I know, I know. I love the idea of it, but it's just not quite ready. And yeah. although you know, people die every day in America because of bad drivers, we're still not ready to go with a driverless car. The same way, you know, we're not ready to say, you know, launch this missile on this target. It's 100%, you don't, we don't need a human to be involved in that. We just know that's the right thing to do, so just do it. You know, we're just not there yet. And I don't think we're gonna be there for the next five years. Um, so we, the data gets smarter because a human is in the loop. We thought A, B, and C were true human then gets involved. We get them that data in seconds. So they're not spending three minutes getting data from A, B, and C. And then that human reviews that and says, take action. And if that action is right, that action is then scored. That's right. That's right. That's right. And so if it's right, 10 times over, our probability of accuracy keeps going up and the humans keep making the data smarter. So if we think it's a bird, or a flock of birds, but we still keep scrambling, you know, F-18s. Why do we keep scrambling F-18s? It's a bird, it's a bird, it's a bird, it's a bird, it's a bird. Now, all of a sudden, we start getting data that, you know, China or somebody is making drones that look look like geese, then, you know, we need to be aware of that. But, you know, we can't keep spending so much money chasing false things. We need to make sure we're chasing the real things so that we're really keeping ourselves safe. So that's a long answer. Hopefully that answered what you no, asked. That's terrific. I don't know if you noticed, but I was sitting here pounding away with my pen. So that generated a, a, several other questions um, that I that I was thinking about. So when we talk about that, and I'm looking sideways because I had to write sideways on my paper. Not that anybody can see the paper that I'm referencing. The uh, So when we think about decision-making, right? And, we're, and this is, you know, we're, we're talking about military decision-making, right? Commanders, uh, policymakers, people, you know, in, in big headquarters is somewhere. What is the future then of, uh, you know, military staffs and military headquarters? Cause this is one thing that's become, uh, 
after Russia invaded Ukraine in 2014, 2015, you know, the size of command posts, the digital signature, the or the cyber signature that was put off by command posts in the field um, became a, a huge point of uh, contention uh, because, you know, prior to that, ever you know, all commanders wanted to have these huge headquarters. You know, when I was, you know, in Iraq, uh, we always, you know, it was always like who can have the biggest tent set up uh, for the command post. The size of the headquarters has got bigger and larger and all this. Um, I know you said that humans, the goal is humans remain on the loop and in the loop, uh, or both or a variation thereof. But as we look at that, what is the future of that, you know, that staff, is it going to shrink to potentially just a couple people monitoring things, or is it going to get bigger because there's going to be more, um, network requirements to, to, to manage all that, those inputs. I think it's going to become a lot more distributed. So if, if I think of the commanders, if I if, if I had the power to tell our commanders what to do for a day, yeah. I would tell our commanders that they should spend all of their time coming up with a common methodology and practice. I mean, the Army acting on its own without air support from the Air Force is an epic fail. You know, I mean... Every, everyone can't act alone. And it's not just Americans, America's military. It is, it's NATO. I mean, as we are seeing, and, and you know, it, it is, it, it's, it's UCOM, it's CENTCOM, it's Indo-PACOM. We have to work as one. And, or our alliances aren't near as powerful as being one solo superpower, yep. which, so we, so I would tell our commanders to make it, make it easier for me to enable data to be used so that if I am identifying something that that can also be identified in Germany or that can be identified in NATO or in the UK or wherever we need that, wherever we need that data so that us and our allies are acting as one. So that's that's what the commanders need to do. And everyone is kind of over history have built their stovepipes of their specific data and yeah. We have to fuse that data together and we have to modernize that data so it is readable and usable across the domains. So that's what the commanders need to do. And then you enable your frontline people, which, you know, we're working on a bunch of these things across like what's called TACL, you know, which is the, you know, the tactical operating command light. So this mm -hmm. is the people in tents. So in the people in the tents that are out near the front edge, yeah, they're going to be they're going to be managing people, but they're going to be managing drones and they're going to be managing a bunch of remote combat vehicles that are going to be out in front. And they have to have the authority to know what to do. So if they are disconnected because for some reason the satellites are jammed or blocked or, you know, there's just congestion and we can't get data fast enough, they have to know what they can do and do and, you know, perform the operation or, be able to get that information back to headquarters somewhere else. So I am seeing a ton of movement across the Army and the Air Force about collaboration and working at the tactical level to empower the people on the front line to be able to make the decisions they have to make in, in the moment of truth. That's that's one of the things that I think is really interesting about this whole conversation is, is the future of command, uh, I guess, little c, um, you know, like just the whole process because AI uh, really does carry with it the potential to fundamentally alter that. And I think that some of the other, so there's the naysayers about AI, right? So they don't, they don't matter because it's coming, right? But then right, there's also right. that the, uh, the, the naysayers about 
that that little C command uh, discussion, right? There's a lot of folks that are still going to say, well, and I, you hear this quite a bit, actually, if you talk with with <laughs> military people, they're like, well, you know, I'm the I'm the commander, or I'm going to be the commander. And so I'm not going to cede, you know, this decision making or decision, um, not even making necessarily, because they're, they're still going to be the one that makes the decision, but the decision making uh, digestion process, right? The development of the courses of action, because a lot of them want to be like the, you know, look at the big map and make the big blue arrow and do that kind of yeah. thing. And so I think that that's something that there's um, a potential speed bump along the way too. I think it's, it's you know, that's manageable, but it's something I think that um, as we as we move forward with this, that is really going to present a challenge, maybe not a big challenge, but there's still going to be these these uh, folks out there that are like, well, I'm smarter than, than the machine and I can make better decisions because I've got 30 years of experience to rely on. Um, so I say that to, to lead into this too, and you, you hit on it a bit, but so the key with this, the ability to aggregate this information and utilize it in a useful way is, is distribution. And so is there a worry on your end or perhaps the industry's end or the greater industry, you know, the collective on this potentially, um, if these nodes, if you will, if that's, I don't know if that's the right term or not, but these nodes where we're going to be doing these, these AI operations, if they're stateside or in a, in a, you know, a metropolitan area, does that then make them a, a legitimate military target? So let me, let me read the question back to you and just make sure I have it right. So you're saying as we are using data, to find things at home that yep. we n- normally would be doing abroad, uh, are they a are they a, are they a military target? Yeah. So is if that, there's a that... there, if there, let's say that downtown Denver, if there's something in downtown Denver, right, and it's collecting info and it's being yeah. used in fictitious war and fictitious country, does fictitious country then say, okay, Denver is now a legitimate military target? Do, wait. So, so give me that again. The second part of that does the foreign entity think that's Denver's a a target? Yes. Could they be legitimately, could they make a legitimate argument that the fact that Denver's a, or that, that location of where that information processing place is, is a legitimate target. So they could fire missiles, ICBMs, if you will, into Denver. Yeah. To target that. I, well, first off, I think for us to think that our enemies are not targeting those things, um, is is naive yeah. so i think they are absolutely targeting those areas yeah. they know they know where people are all sitting in these these command posts they know where all of them are i mean it's 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 as secret as it is it's you know it's out there i mean people know where don't tell where, me that everybody knows there's a base inside a mountain in cheyenne mountain colorado yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> don't say that um so i'm worried more so yes, that's true, and there's going to be those foreign entities are going to target pe- multiple places inside the United States. Yeah. We're not safe. We're, we're not safe. The oceans aren't big enough. You know, supersonic, hypersonic is 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 real. It's here, and uh, so we better be able to respond to that. That where I thought you were going with the question is a scarier one, which is mm-hmm. what about us using AI to target people in country that are enemies because there are people in country that are enemies and there's more people coming into our country every day that are enemies. And um, 
so now you get into how do I look at military data or public data or camera data or whatever data I want to look at, Facebook data, and yeah. understand that, you know, we have a we have a threat in Denver, targeting Denver to whether they're trying to take out a power grid, pollute yeah. the water, kill people, you know, those are real. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, no, that's I really good. That's, I mean, that's yeah. two different, two different elements of how, you know, considerations, you know, big time considerations, I think that probably aren't necessarily getting factored in. Well, I mean, I'm sure they are, but, you know, aren't really discussed a lot when folks talk about the use of AI. I mean, I mean, the bold, bold statement that I would make that and maybe it's not that bold, but um, if we would leverage data correctly, I believe we could, A, we could have not had 9-11 and we could eliminate almost all school shootings. So why the hell would we not leverage AI if it has the power to do that? Is that true? Would it eliminate all of them? No, it won't eliminate all of them. But, you know, people do stupid things and people like to brag about the stupid things they do. And you have minutes before events that when you put together these six pieces of data, I've got a person, I've got a person who seems a little off. I have a person who just bought a gun. I have a person who did that. You, you start each one of these pieces of data alone doesn't tell a story, but when you put this data together, I now have, I now have a 92% probability that this person is going to do something very bad in the next 48 hours to either their ex boss or an ex school or whoever it is that they are really pissed about and they're talking about. So when you start putting that public and private data together, we can be proactive. Now that gets crazy because now you're into, wait, everyone's innocent until proven guilty. Okay, cool. I'm good with that. But uh, that doesn't mean we can't have a SWAT team sitting at the bank before this person goes to the bank to shoot people. It's like, oh, welcome to the bank. Why are you carrying an automatic rifle with you, you know, to the bank? Yeah. So I'm sorry, we're gonna have to arrest you. You know, um, anyway, that's why you leverage AI. Because when you put that data together, we can have very different outcomes. I, I kind of I kind of fuzzed out for a moment. I thought you were explaining a dystopian Tom Cruise movie to me, um, <laughs> but I'm back. So no, that's uh, that's really it's, good. Jo- jokes well, aside, that was well, well. When you when you look at the movies and you look at like the new Dune movie, you look at some of these things. Look, some of these crazy things in these movies that if you play it out ten years, fifteen years, that's where some of the stuff is going. You know, I mean, they're just out there on the edge doing crazy stuff, but. That's why we have to leverage AI. And that's what I yeah. love about what we're doing at Hypergiant and the way, you know, because we have recently, you know, sold Hypergiant into a PE firm, Tribe Equity, which is private equity, which is in Dallas. And we did that because now we are putting together, we're putting together a complete, we're putting together five companies to actually deliver the platform, the services, the AI, and the whole capability around this so that we can just move much, much faster. So we brought in significant money with a significant backer. And now we're putting together these companies that are going to, you know, show the ability and the way that we can do what we did at Hypergiant and in the Navy and with some of these other partner companies that are now part of of, uh, Tribe to actually deliver this across 
the Navy and the Air Force and the Army and di different places, not just the software, but the software and the services and the implementation and the success and the hardware that is required on all these sensors along, along with um, the AI capability. So there's an AI company that is part of that as well. So because to organically grow that to, as one company is, is really hard, yeah. Yeah. pulling it all together. So we have been very strategic on where and who and how we pull all this together so that we can deliver on, you know, you know, cloud-based command and control. Because that's what we are focused on is, is getting the military to move up to the cloud, leverage the cloud in a way that you should, distribute it out to everywhere where it is needed so that you can make decisions at the tactical edge. That's, uh, I think, a good segue then here to talk about the rest of the uh, the series because that really does lead right into the uh, to that. So if you would, um, and I, I can piggyback with this, or I can piggyback on this with you, but if you would, would you lay out uh, what we're going to discuss in the next three episodes here with Hypergiant? Yeah, so um, I'm super excited about what we've done with Tribe Private Equity. So we have, we have, Sold sold Hypergiant into Tribe Private Equity. Um, in that, we are bringing together it's literally five companies that are very focused on the same things that we are focused on, but in slightly different ways or in different areas. So we are really big in the Air Force. Some of these are really big in the Navy, but we really want to make sure that we get the Air Force and the Navy and the Army and the Marines all kind of working together. So we we are pulling this all together. So episode one, which is what this is, is me just talking about the highest level of leveraging AI and leveraging software the way the military should leverage software so that the military can literally lead the future of technology. Um, and I think we are proving, proving that to be so and enabling the military to stay in control because the military doesn't want to go out and spend a bunch of software and then all of a sudden that software company goes away and then the military doesn't own anything. So we think there's a very different way to deliver software to the military. Um, so that's kind of me giving you an overview. That's episode one of Hypergiant and our sister companies. Episode two is going to be uh, Tom Murphy and Quentin Donnellan. They are going to take you deep into JADC2 and see JADC2 and what we have built and the way we are now deploying that across uh, different aspects uh, of the military around the world. And then episode three is going to take a step back and say, okay, now that you have all this data and you can use the data everywhere, what about AI and ethics in AI and trust in AI and going deep in the, you and I touched on it, but yep. these two people will go deep on that topic. Um, and then episode four will be you and me coming back together to, okay, now we have shared all this information you know, what do we do next and where do we go and how do we just make this so and continue to, to grow this thing? Um, we've, we've had, we've been blessed. We've had fantastic success. We have great partners in the military. They're embracing new software companies. They're embracing companies that are used to building enterprise grade software. And now we are taking it and delivering it into the military, the way the military wants the software and needs the software. So super excited about what we've done over the last three years and kind of you know, very excited about where we're going the next five years. So anyway, those are the four episodes. All right. That's, uh, I appreciate you laying that out. Uh, you did that a lot better than I could because um, <laughs> three quarters of what you said, I didn't understand. So like I said, this will be an educational experience uh, for myself as well. So as we, uh, we approach the end of our time here, uh, Mike, uh, I just wanted to, is there anything else, either misconceptions about AI that you think are important to point out? 
or anything else you wanted to add before we uh, before we close things out today? Yeah, I think, you know, as we talked a lot about AI, AI is real. It is here. It is going to have unbelievable impact on our future, positive or negative. And it's yeah. going to be positive if we, if we continue to push to get ahead of this curve. And I think we are proving that we're going to do that. Um, at the end of the day, though, AI is just data. So then the question is, is how do you turn data into action? And that is all about designing the right software, you know, using product management to build and to design the right software and the right methodology around the product and what you want to deliver. And so just literally sitting with and living with your customer, the buyers, the people that have to make the decision. So that's what we have done over the last few years is literally sit out there with those customers to make sure we understand what are you trying to do? What are you trying to learn? And how many minutes do you have to learn it? And they're like, well, wait a minute, we can automate this and this and this and this and pull that together. Um, so I love AI, but if you still build bad software or design bad software, AI will fall short. And the good news is, I think we in America are better at building amazing software than anybody. And now we have the power of some of the best designers, the best product people, the best engineers building incredibly important technology for our military. So I, I'm, I'm very excited about how America is going to win in the next five years. Uh, and I'm excited. And that's why we actually ultimately sold our company to Drive because we can't be cash strapped. We need to be able to move at the speed of this market and the speed of this need. And now we can do that. Yeah, that's terrific. I think the uh, I really enjoyed the AI is just data. Next time I get asked at work what AI is, I'm going to say, hey, man, it's just data, you know? <laughs> right. Uh, right. All right. So, hey, the uh, next uh, three episodes should be a lot of fun. Next two ought to be really educational. The last one, uh, for any of the listeners, you know, my, my, my contact information is out there. So if you have any questions based off this episode or the following two episodes with Hypergiant's uh, team, feel free to send me those questions and we can potentially come back with, uh, with uh, episode four with Mike and, and, and discuss some of those questions you may have. So uh, I think really those, those next two episodes are going to really be entertaining and educational um, for the audience and myself. So uh, with that, Mike, thank you very much for your time. I appreciate you cutting out uh, some of your time today. I hope you're staying warm because I know it's absolutely freezing in central Texas right now. And uh, just thank you very much. Yeah, thank you very much. You do, you do the same. Stay warm. Uh, this was a lot of fun. Appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks, Amos.